So as part of their keynote, um, Apple's keynote a couple of days ago, they made some announcements about Apple Arcade, and we now know a bunch more about it. So why don't we spend some time digging into that today? So I'll give a kind of a top line refresher for people. So that Apple have announced that it is going to cost four ninety nine a month, uh, even on a family plan. So like a fam- one person in a family could pay four ninety nine, and everybody in the family plan will get the game access to Apple Arcade for that one price. They're going to be launching in 150 countries, which is easy for them to do because they're set in the rules, right? So they can launch everywhere at the same time. Um, The launch itself is a little bit tricky, but uh, we're looking at September 19th on the iPhone, September 30th on iPad and tvOS, and in October on the Mac. So these games will be playable on all of these devices, um, but the launch has gone a little staggered because I think some issues that Apple seem to be having with getting the software out the door this year. Uh, Mm -hmm. The App Store itself is going to feature game guides and sneak peeks of upcoming titles. And Apple once again kind of stated that these games are exclusive to uh, either A, mobile platforms, or B, other streaming, uh, other subscription services. So, because there are some caveats, right? Like there are some games that are coming out on Apple Arcade that exist on PC, right? Um, so right. there's, there's some stuff going on there, but it's exclusive on mobile and exclusive to other uh, games subscription platforms. But they still can come out on PS4 or Nintendo Switch as traditional games. In theory, I mean, I'm sure it differs game to game as to what's what's going on. But like there is, there's, for example, one game Overland yes. uh, is going to be on Switch and is on PC. And I saw Beyond, uh, Beyond Steel Sky. Yep. Um, is also coming out on consoles, I think. And Exit the Gungeon, which is another game, which is already on other platforms. So they're kind of like, I think it's like one or the other, and probably depending on who you are, right? On what game they're bringing in depends on maybe the deal that you get there. But there is some level of exclusivity anyway. Um, really, I think it's more important to them that they're exclusive on mobile than they are anywhere else. And we'll get to maybe why in a little bit as to why that might be important to them. Uh, Apple had three developers show off titles on stage, uh, Capcom, Konami, and Annapurna Interactive, uh, and they were all launch day games. So we're seeing like a new Frogger game and uh, Sayonara Wild Hearts. This is a game I've seen some buzz for about for a while. Uh, it mm-hmm. came from Annapurna Interactive. So they had, you know, they had two big like household name in the gaming industry uh exit like long running companies with with big budgets and big history and then they had Annapurna Interactive as well who've been massively up and coming publishing some really exciting games over the last few years especially right so mm-hmm. they had they had a decent mix there. Um, they could have probably shown off more, but I think what they were trying to show were games that will be available on day one because we'll get to in a little bit that like not everything will be. So um, that's that's something to to think about. So that that's kind of where we are. Um, I know Federico, when we were talking uh, during the event, you you weren't that keen on the either the games or the companies that they had. So I. <laughs> I went back and forth a little on my feelings on on Apple Arcade and the companies that they showed. So I didn't catch the the slide uh, with the logos of all the game developers uh, initially. And uh, our friend John Voorhees very helpfully tweeted uh, a picture of the slide with all the game developers. And after seeing that, I felt a little better. 
but my so my first reaction from the event was that uh, you know the, the three games only Sayonara Wild Hearts uh, really stood out to me the other two Frogger and the Capcom game really poor choice of demos and I and I, you know they felt uninspired and uh, just generic mobile games in a way. Uh, so I didn't really understand the, the choices of games to show off on stage. I think they did a better job, honestly, with the video that they put out a few days ago on, earlier this week on YouTube. They did an excellent job. It's a 90-second video, and it's just a reel of games coming to Apple Arcade. And mm-hmm. it does a better job at, at showing off Apple Arcade than what Apple did during the keynote. Um, so initially, I felt like the event wrapped up, and I was like, "Man, this feels kind of kind of like a letdown." I I'm not, you know, I had the same feeling of sort of Apple News Plus, like, yeah, it's a new service, and I guess I'll check it out. But then something funny happened after the event in that a bunch of developers started tweeting about games coming out at launch on Apple Arcade. And from developers that were not explicitly mentioned on stage for games that were not shown off on stage. And so there was that. And then more announcements came out out of Apple's own press release. For example, in the press release on the Apple Newsroom, um... Apple confirmed that the makers of Bravely Default, so Square Enix, the same team behind Bravely Default, which, you know, I absolutely loved a few years ago Mm -hmm. on the Nintendo 3DS, they are making a new RPG for Apple Arcade. And I think it's called... uh, Yeah, I don't remember. Various Daylife is the name. Yes, thank you. I was about to say Daylife something. Um, So they're making an RPG. Various Daylife sounds about as... uh, intelligible as a phrase as Bravely Default, right? Like, exactly. Like, I'm not surprised it's the same company. <laughs> From the folks who brought you Bravely Default and Octopath Traveler comes... <laughs> there is, there is. <laughs> It's just like sure. they take a bunch of words and they put them in a bag and then they pick two of them out uh-huh. and then that's the what name What can we game. do? Mm-hmm. So anyway, during the event, during the keynote, kind of a letdown, kind of uninspired, but then Apple press release announcements from developers on Twitter, um, Apple video on, on YouTube with a gallery of games, and I feel a lot better. I think there's a, there's a compelling collection of different types of video games um, that appeal to me. They're not just mobile games. There's some stuff, you know, that feels like it was made with Unity. You know, it's got the Unity look of games that sort of all look similar to each other. And and I don't necessarily mean in a in a absolutely pejorative way. It's just something that, you know, I feel like I've seen before multiple times. I'm sure there's gonna be people who love playing those games. Um but then I saw stuff like Oceanhorn 2 and and Overland and this RPG and us two are also making something for Apple Arcade. And I feel like you should have done, you, I mean Apple, you should have done a better job at telling this compelling story at the event. Not just with the slide, but actually utter those words on stage and, and say, we have these games coming. It, it could have been a, a quick 20-second video. Couldn't have been another slide, but just actually explain. Because my reaction from the keynote was, yeah, it's just a bunch of casual games. 
I am not too excited. But then I got excited because of Twitter and because of other announcements that happened after the event. Uh, there's a very useful list that we can link in the show notes uh, that shows all the other games coming to Apple Arcade. Mm-hmm. It was compi- compiled by Killer Cow on Twitter. Is a is a, an excellent follow if you care about uh, mobile game news. I've been following this person for for quite some time. He used to work at um, Pocket Gamer, I want to say. Yeah, maybe. Um, so yeah, a lot more titles than I that, that I was expecting. Uh, there's a Choo Choo Rocket by Sega, for example. That was Rayman Mini by Ubisoft. Uh, Snowman are making two games for Apple Arcade. Skate City. Which I feel like I've been waiting for forever. As I'm finally excited that that's going to be coming out. I feel like I started Mac Stories when they started Skate City. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a Where Cards Fall. Uh, which I'm super keen to play. I've seen demos of this game in person and it looked amazing. Um, there's a lot of stuff that Apple didn't mention at all. There's a Beyond the Steel Sky, which is the sequel to the incredible ge- adventure game Beneath the Steel, the Steel Sky from 20 years ago, maybe. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that Apple didn't, didn't explicitly call out, which I sort of understand. Uh, maybe they wanna, they don't want to push Apple Arcade too much as a service for hardcore gamers or, you know, only people who know video games. I understand why Apple wants to say, this is like games for the iPhone and the iPad that you know and love, but better and in a more curated and safe environment, which I understand. But I feel like there's also an opportunity to say to people like me and people like Mike and folks who play video games on a Nintendo Switch or PS4, look, there's also games for you here. It's not just... Uh, uh, a Ninap purchase free version of mobile games. There's also premium experiences going on. And I feel like maybe that message should have been told in a better way. So there's going to be a hundred new games and Apple saying it's the largest launch catalog of any game service. I I have yet been able to work out when those 100 games, like the launch of 100 games, 100 games in a month, like it's tricky to tell. But they have that number, they keep saying it, and there's more and more games that are seeming to be announced, and there are a lot of people that are saying like within a few days of launch. So I think pr- pretty soon there will be like a ton of games available uh, on this service. So, I mean, personally, I'm really excited about it. Like Even of just the games that we know are coming on launch day, there is like a, maybe like three or four that like I really want to play. Like I can't wait to play Overland, I can't wait to play Skate City, Super Impossible Road. Impossible Road is a fantastic game. It was like this, it was a bit of a, like a hit for a bit. Like it was one of those like really difficult games that I played for for some time. So, so it's just like a new version of that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to those. And I mean, for $4.99 a month, it's, it's a no brainer. I think that the value proposition Apple have here is very strong. Um, I am keen to get Shahid's perspective from a kind of like a business and industry side, but Shahid from, uh, from a, just a, player of games do you are you inclined to agree that like this seems like a pretty um compelling set of games for that price yeah i i must admit finding myself a little bit surprised at um how do i put this wanting to disagree with federico on the tone oh. of the announcement it's the biggest event in apple's calendar in terms of announcements right i mean you, mm-hmm. you would expect them to be extremely safe. The interesting thing for me was they opened the event with Apple Arcade. So 
it was important that they got that out of the way very, very quickly and that it was very smooth and it didn't seem like a risky service. So in terms of the people who are watching, you know, you can imagine all these investors looking, thinking, okay, so new service is going to cost some money to launch this service. Who are the partners they've got? And they pull out these blue chip people and they pull out Annapurna who never disappoint creatively. So I thought it was a solid opening. It wasn't an inspiring or creative opening, but I think that that was not really the point. I think the point was, look, we got the big partners on board on a game service that runs on every Apple device that you've got. And that was the other thing, because we framed this event in terms of the iPhone. But the thing that they didn't get across because of that initial framing was that this runs on every device. Yes, they mentioned it, but I think the perception would have been, this is stuff that runs on your iPhone. You wouldn't immediately have thought, this is stuff that runs on the Mac, runs on Apple TV with a PlayStation or Xbox controller, etc. You know, these are games that will run the proper big screen, as well as all of your Apple devices. So I think they just had to play safe. And I think they did that very well. Looking back at events I've been part of, it's a miracle, actually, that announcements get out at all because the amount of times the language is modified, it's run through lots of different teams, corporate PR, local PR, the game people, you know, the execs, they're all going to be discussing this until the very last minute. You know, what's going to go in the headline? What's going to be the first game that we announce? Who are we going to have on stage? How long are we going to cover each game for? Measured down to the second, you know? I've been part of this, so I know what it's like. And it's not easy. And no one knows until the last minute. Sometimes not even the exec. Sometimes I would imagine not even uh, Tim Cook himself would have known necessarily until very late exactly which running order they were going to have for the games. And then they knew that all of the other stuff would come out later. And all of the other stuff is for them. When I say them, I mean the game curators within Apple, those, those people who have been frustrated for a very long time that the App Store has become totally about free-to-play and in-app purchase and none of the stuff that they joined the games industry for, you know? And they have had their eye on all this delicious content on other platforms and wondering how they could bring it to Apple. Now they find a way, and obviously they're going to go, really? You really want to show Frogger? But I thought, you know what? That is actually what corporate should have announced, that they have a top-tier publisher partner on day one. Because, you know, let's face it, that's what the likes of PlayStation and Microsoft would have done. They would have announced top-tier partners. Not necessarily the coolest games or the best games, but the top-tier partners. We got these people on day one. That's always essential. And not only that, I was really pleased to see that the Frogger in Toyland, I think it's called, is being developed by Q Games. They are, (laughs) of course, we're talking about PlayStation darlings, you know? So that, I thought, was quite an impressive coup. They're an excellent developer, so I think that would be a really, really cool game. Um, And then all of the other stuff following shortly afterwards in planned announcements, uh, Twitter announcements, and all of that. That's to be expected. You'd expect the more creative, interesting boutique stuff to come out later. So I I mean, although I agree that, you know, as gamers, we want to hear... about the stuff that's really exciting on on the show floor from Tim Cook himself. The reality is that 
due to the profile of that presentation, they had to go with the safe stuff first. And I knew the cool stuff was coming because I'd heard about it from people I know. And I'd heard about how good some of this stuff was going to be as well. I, I will say, actually, the Frogger, the Frogger game made me laugh because like, I saw it and I was like, this was supposed to be a game that came out with in-app purchases in it. And you've mm-hmm. changed it. Because there were so many mm-hmm. things. You can collect different costumes. Why? Mm-hmm. Why can I collect <laughs> different costumes? Because that was what I was supposed to be paying for. Right? Or like, you can just collect coins that allow you to like restart a level. Oh yeah, I was supposed to buy those coins. Right, Konami? That's what I was supposed to be doing? Uh, is it Konami or Capcom? I don't remember which one it is it's now. It's Konami. 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 I got it right the first time. Uh, but yeah, it's just I thought it was really funny. It's like, I wonder how many games we're going to see like this. Or it's like, this was supposed to be a game built around free-to-play. And now it's paid for and like how is that going to like start to shift some of the thinking around mobile games again but it was just funny because it's like there's no way they built this in like six months or whatever or a year um and it it just had all of those little tropes to it but i actually like i i i think i sit right in the middle of where the two of you are on this one i thought that they did a decent job i thought that the frogger game the frogger game was interesting to me because it's like oh and i I get the irony of this, but you know, Crossy Road, that game you love. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is a game like yeah. that one. It, it is exactly like Crossy Road. <laughs> right. Well, it's because Crossy Road it came from Frog, right? Like it's so it's funny because right. now it's like we've rebuilt this game, which was the original <laughs> inspiration for the game that came afterwards. But, but now people are going to say we copied Crossy Road. <laughs> yeah, which is so upsetting, really, when you think about it. But then at the same time, they are borrowing from Crossy Road now, right? Like because, but anyway, they should, <laughs> should have just called it like Froggy Frogger or something like that. But, um, I think I saw a game like in the app store called like Crashy Car or something like that. And it's just like Crashy geez. Car. It's just like anything E something. Dash right? like, crashy, I think it is. The, something <laughs> like, yes, I think that it's, is it, right? Like it's I, gone too far. I've I've played a bunch of these games that have been good, that have that naming yeah. like convention. I'm not like trying to bag on them, but it is just funny to me where it's like like this just became a thing after Crossy Road. It's just something E something, right? Like and, and you know, a couple of these games have actually been done with the blessing of the original developer. Yes, yes. Uh, one of them, I can't, I wish I could remember the name of it, but like, I thought, ah, this is just like a shameless rip. But no, like, uh, Hipster Whale were involved in the making of that game, right? Like, they're actually, they're, they're there. It's, I, may, I think they may have even published it. Um, but like, yeah, it was just, it's just kind of funny, really, to see some of that stuff. All right. I want to dig into, it's going to be interesting because I actually want to talk about this in light of our last episode, right? About kind of like exclusivity because there are some ties here a little bit, but I don't want to talk about that. Uh, but before we do, let me thank Squarespace for the support of this show. You can make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea or project and give you all of the tools that you need. If you need a domain name, Squarespace can handle that for you. If you need to take advantage of and customize award-winning templates, they can do that too. If you need 24-7 customer support for anything when you're there with Squarespace, they have that. If you want to sell things online, they can give you online store functionality. No matter what type of website you want to make, Squarespace has all of the tools. It is an all-in-one platform that will let you do just that. There is nothing to install or patch or upgrade. They have got it covered for you. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support, right? Like that is such a big thing. I'll say it twice because I think it's an important thing. If you're not sure how to build a website or if you know somebody who needs a website and they're not sure how to build it, they can help. 
So when you decide to sign up, use the offer code Remaster to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. And before that, sign up for a trial. Go to squarespace.com slash remaster and you can do that. So squarespace.com slash remaster, the code remaster for 10% of your first purchase. Our thanks to Squarespace for the support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So saying about exclusivity, uh, Google seem to be getting in this game now too. They there's uh, the Google hmm. Play Twitter account tweeted something that said Google Play Pass coming soon. And uh this is their version of this. And it seems obvious that they would be doing that. Um I expect competition will be good in this regard. Uh and and maybe good for developers in a way that exclusivity can be and but maybe even more so. And I kind of want to get your thoughts on that Shahid, right? So like my thinking is having Google in this game as well will drive up the price for what a developer can charge to get their game on one of these services would be my expectation. Like if you're half good and you've got them both vying for you, you may be able to get a bit more money out of it. And one of the things that makes this type of thing different to like the idea of being exclusive on a store is one, I expect that there is probably more money involved, at least up front, because there's no purchases to occur afterwards. So the game company has to kind of like the publisher has to kind of give you more money. But also as well, like going into a deal like this is different in some ways because because it's a subscription service and the people have already paid, they may be more likely to just play your game anyway. So maybe it's easier to find a, an audience. And I'm asking you a bunch of things here, but they're kind of like my thinking around why, while these, these things are similar to just the idea of going with Steam or Epic, there's maybe some potential upsides that are stronger. What do you think? Well, you know, this is a really, really difficult business. I was involved for um, a good while in procuring content in the early days of PS4 for the PlayStation Plus service. Because as you can imagine, a lot of the larger players weren't interested in granting their contra- uh, content for um, for free, essentially, in, in PS Plus, in the instant game collection. So it fell upon us to get games or deals from independent developers. And it's really hard, because scheduling is a huge problem. Working out whether people will be happy with what they're going to get is a really big problem. Working out whether a game is going to be good enough is a really big problem. Working with publishers and doing a multi-platform uh, deal. I didn't do any of that. I worked direct with developers um, on Plus. But I would imagine that in yeah. Apple Arcade's um, case, Apple are working with publishers, right? To, uh, and presumably working on uh, multi-title deals with them. And ensuring that the quality of each of those is one that people would be happy with as part of their subscription payment is another thing altogether. But the essential difference is this. With Instant Game Collection, you got a couple of games, I think it was, three or four games in total eventually, because you got one for PS3, a couple for PS4, uh, one for Vita right at the very beginning. It's a really, really good deal. You got that every month, okay? With Arcade... Yes, you have instant access to a library of 100 games, and that's really powerful. But the question I haven't had answered is, how much rotation is going on? How many games leave the service? How often? How many new games come in? How often? And where do the games that go out of the service go? So let's say, for example, they drop, I know, 
10 games or 20 games, I don't know, every month and bring in 20 new ones. Presumably, you still get to keep the ones that have been dropped from the service as long as you continue to subscribe. That would be my guess. But then that means they're looking for 20 new games every month. And Google, if they get into the act, are also looking for 20 new games every month. Now, we know that there are billions of mobile games being developed. You know, I'm one of those people as well, developing mobile games now. I never thought that would happen, but there you go. They're, they're just everywhere. But that's not the point. The point is when people pay for a subscription service, they expect a certain level of quality because that's why you're paying the extra, right? Otherwise, you'll just play the free-to-play stuff that you are, you are finding good enough quality already. And going, oh, you know, I've had one, my one minute, two minutes of play, or I downloaded something, didn't even play it, you know, been there, done that, like I'm sure a lot of our listeners have. So you pay, you really, you're really looking forward to the new stuff that's coming in. And I'm telling you, getting that content in is really hard. And it's going to be hard for Apple and Google as well. They're going to have to have eyes and ears everywhere. And that content, that level of content, certainly that Apple are looking for, for Arcade, is not easy to find. It will have been a real struggle to fill 100 slots for launch. But to keep up the momentum, it's going to be even harder. Yeah, and I guess what what drives that momentum, right? Do they drive that momentum in knowing that they're making their money back? Do they care about making their money back? Like That's the difficult thing with Apple right now compared to maybe other companies is I don't even know if they care about the money. They just want to say they have the users, right? Like they could just plow billions into this and it doesn't matter because they have so much money. Like what is the goal, right? And I think that's the thing is if they're trying to build services revenue, like they can do that and they can do that a way that it doesn't matter if they're plowing some of their war chest into this. Like it's so difficult. And I guess it must be incredibly difficult if you're a competitor of Apple's right now for this very reason is their motivations are one and two, they have all of the money to back it up with. And it's going to be interesting to see how this grows from here. I mean, they are, they're putting enough behind this that I can't imagine they're going to go into this half-heartedly. And honestly, I do expect that it will succeed in some way. But I have no idea if they're what their goal is. Like, if they don't care about making their money back, like, they can just continue putting whoever they want on this service. They'll just write checks big enough. Well, a few years ago, I would have said that Apple is completely uh, a device business and that anything that they do is in support of sales of those devices. But as we all know, sales of those devices are, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, certainly not in free fall, but not growing because the market's utterly saturated. So there's that. But there is service growth, right? And they have got a lot of devices. So it didn't surprise me to see two services launched at the same event as the openers. So a TV Plus was the second announcement after Arcade, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. They were, yes, it yeah, was next. So, yeah. You know, two services to open up with. They're, they're both irresistible price points, right? That was a key thing. Five bucks. Everyone's used to the Netflix, 10 bucks, gone up to 11 bucks, 12 bucks, whatever it is, and have no mm -hmm. problem paying it. But here are two services presenting loads of content for devices that you already own that will run across everything that you've got. Five bucks each a month. Absolute no-brainer. And guess what? If you buy one of these new devices, you're going to get a reasonable period. I think it's a month on Apple Arcade. You're going to get 12 months on TV+. Plus. I mean, that, just forget it. It's just an absolute no-brainer. You're absolutely in. Now, that's 10 bucks a month. That's $120. 
a year from how many users? How many millions and millions and millions are they going to get on board? The scale that they're able to achieve when they when they launch a service is frightening. That's the thing that I'm interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So whatever they put into Apple Arcade, if they get I know, so it's 120. So they just get a million people. A million people is not a lot. A million people, I, I promise you, will stump up that money for both those plans. That's 120 million. That's probably the entire budget um, or close to it for their entire content plan for the first year covered. Do you think it's that amount? I would have thought it would. I mean, I don't know if it's more or less. I go back and forward on it. Like, I don't, because the thing is, is like wondering what is the deal, right? Like, that's the thing. I've heard numbers, but yeah. here, here's the thing to bear in mind. They have more devices out there than the likes of PlayStation have, that the likes of Microsoft have. That just about every, anyone has apart from, uh, I can't really count. Nobody has ever Nobody's had, ever had the amount of devices. Exactly. That they've just, they've it's just an obscene there, right? number, right? And it's not just yeah. iPhones. As we, as we keep coming back to, it's every device, right? So you've got these devices. All of them can run Apple Arcade wonderful five bucks wonderful but going back to the the figure that they spent they couldn't have done this i don't think successfully they launched with 20 games it would have been seen as a half-hearted service when you say 100 games and there's no in-app purchase there's there's none of that stuff you know um and they're they're proper premium feeling games i don't want to say premium because premium i don't know it means different things to everyone but i would say a premium ios game is what five bucks maybe five to set five to eight bucks is a premium ios game so i want to say that they're thinking the kind of person who's willing to spend uh five bucks a month to buy a game gets access to all of these games and they've done their sums based on that how do we get these people how do we get them to say absolutely yes? What is a point at which you've got that kind of user or player utterly bought in? Someone like me, for example, at what point would I go, you know what, five bucks a month, that's nothing, 100 games, no brainer. They must have thought, right? 20 games, no. People don't say anything. Only the hardcore will say, yeah, maybe some of these games are worth worth going for. 50, hmm, kind of seems like some of them could could fall off. Maybe some of them are not good. But when you say 100, and you include Capcom, you include Konami, you include Annapurna, you include the likes of Clay Entertainment, you include loads of developers, old and new, familiar and unfamiliar, and the content all looks polished and full and decent and friendly and appealing. It's just, you know, all they've done is they've made it impossible for you to say, nah, five bucks a month, too much. Who's going to say that? Well, and uh, some people will, but like I, th I think that those people are, are not the type of people that would be buying these types of games anyway. Like, I do genuinely think they're going to get a lot, and 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 I think the family plan stuff is going to be a big help for them. So, but like, here's the thing that I'm wondering though, and and I don't, we don't know this, and I don't know if anybody knows this outside of the people that are directly involved who've done the deals. But using your knowledge of the way that these things typically tend to go, Shahid. Do you expect that developers are being paid like a one-time flat fee? Do you think that they're being told you'll be paid this amount of money and then we're going to monitor how people are playing your games and then pay you something else? Like, what do you think is the typical deal that is being done here? So the typical deal, um, in my experience, is a buyout. There's a calculation made based on the right. uh, perceived appeal of the game to the subscription audience that they're going to create. 
And based on that, they will have done, um, they, they will have calculated a figure that they think is fair. Then they would have increased it significantly because of opportunity cost, right? Because you know there's a perception, we've talked about this before, that if you release on mobile and other platforms, i.e. Steam or whatever, simultaneously, there's a perceived drop in value. But if you launch on Steam first and then come out on mobile, you're almost able to charge a premium price because it looks like you've got a premium-ish game. I was talking about premium indie coming over to iOS. And people go, yeah, yeah, I remember that. You know, we've seen loads of instances of really, really good independently developed games that came out on Steam first, came out on iOS later and performed really, really well. Um, You know, recent examples of that. Um, I, I, didn't Journey come out on iOS recently? Yeah, so that's yes. an example, yes. right? How much did they charge on iOS? I don't even know. Seven ninety nine was it? it? I mean, it was not cheap, right? No, it, it, yeah, and something that we see all the time now, I guess, is also games launching on the Nintendo Switch and then coming to iOS. Yeah, so they've got to fight against that. That's the opportunity cost. They want that level of game coming to iOS simultaneously. You have to pay a premium for that. It's certainly what we did at PlayStation for some of the independently developed Plus titles. Obviously, I'm not at liberty to reveal the figures, but I can tell you that these launch, this launch um, cohort will have been funded very, very well indeed. You know, They would not experience any pain that their game has come out on iOS at the same time or in advance of other platforms, that's for sure. We're talking about significant figures here. And certainly with the publishers, it would have been huge opportunity costs because you know these, these publishers like to do multi-platform. Um, it's uh, a decent-sized publisher wants to monetize across the board because they're investing significant amounts of money into the marketing, then significant amounts of money into the development, um, and they want to see a back end out of this game. They want a life cycle for this game. And putting it into a subscription service one that doesn't allow IAP, remember, because one thing that people um, used to say to, uh, and I'm not sure they say it now, to developers was, yeah, you stick it out. If you release DLC later, because pe- loads of people have got your, na- your game, they'll buy the DLC, and that's how you'll monetize it, because you'll have a much larger install base, right? Well, that's not happening here. So they've got to be compensated for that as well. Hmm. So let me ask you, Shahid, what happens in terms of marketing all these games. So Apple Arcade is launching next week. We don't know exactly how many games are they're going to be. 60, 70, uh, maybe Apple is going to hit 100 within a few weeks. Then what? You're going to start adding 20 games a month, 15 games a month, 30 games a month. Uh, maybe changes depending on the, you know, maybe during the holiday season, you got more games coming. But then, you, uh, like, my concern is that Apple is going to face the Netflix problem in that they're going to have so much original content, not TV shows or movies, but games, that I, for example, when I browse Netflix, I feel a little overwhelmed these days. Like, there's so much choice. I'm not sure what I want to start. And I wonder if Apple can do something different in terms of promoting these games using maybe editorial Mike mentioned they're going to use the App Store with stories, with tips and tricks and interviews and videos and whatnot to sort of drive the attention to Apple Arcade and to some games in Apple Arcade. But for the platform vendor, what is the challenge of having a constant stream of games, new games coming out and accumulating over and over in this subscription service? Um, 
it feels to me like, like this isn't an, an entirely new territory. Um, especially because you got people paying on a monthly basis. It's not like the PlayStation Store, for example, well, you have a store and you can go there and buy games individually. Now you have people giving you a subscription, paying a subscription every month. And how do you structure that offer? How do you explain that offer? How do you market it all to people? Well, that, that's a fantastic question. And I think absolutely the pertinent one to ask. Because who is the market? And why is it that they focused, coming back to the original point, on such large players? They focused on those large players for safety. Yeah, Apple is a safe company. They want to play safe. Mm. Yeah, They want to go after the family. They want to ensure that right. all those people who let their kids play with devices have something to play with all the time. Because it's not the current generation that matters as much to Apple as to ensure that future generations continue to identify with Apple. If you are a youngster and the device that you always have, let's say you start off with uh, an iPad of some description, always has good quality games on it that aren't nagging you with adverts, that aren't nagging you with prompts for in-app purchase, that aren't playing tricks to try and retain your attention, but are actually narrative-based and family-focused, aren't you going to identify with that platform as strongly as the three of us used to identify with Nintendo? Of course. And what's that going to do? You're going to create generations of people who love Apple products and want to mm. buy Apple products. That's who Apple, Apple are going after. Oh, that's a great point. Using Using games to... Identify like as a as a sort of a self identification for for I certainly did when I was when I was a kid identified with the Super Nintendo and the Game Boy. Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I I I think there's a couple of interesting things we're keeping an eye on. Um, first is what Mike mentioned uh, using the App Store, using the Today tab with stories, with videos. Uh, we don't have, I mean, we don't have inside knowledge in terms of how many people every day uh, actually go to the Today tab and, and check out the stories and the videos. Um, but we've seen Apple sort of increase how they reuse some of the existing stories and sort of trying uh, trying to go in the algorithmic uh, uh, route in terms of suggesting different stories based on different types of users. Um, also, I think it's something that's going to happen later this month uh, with iOS 13.1. Uh, the App Store will gain um, personalized suggestions. So when you go to the search tab, this is a new feature of 13.1. Uh, at the bottom of the search tab, you will see icons for apps and games that the system thinks you may be interested in. Uh, so you don't need to search. They will be shown to you as soon as you open the search tab. Um, I wonder if Apple could actually use that section as a way to advertise Arcade in that it'll show you the icon for a game, but that game is actually part of Apple Arcade. It's not part of the regular App Store. Uh, so that could be interesting to sort of, a, you know, everybody goes to the search tab on the App Store. Uh, we all do when you're looking for something or something new to play. So in addition to having the Arcade page, they're maybe going to have suggestion, personalized suggestions 
in the search tab as well, which I think could be potentially uh, interesting to, to drive adoption. But more than adoption, I'm very curious to see what they do uh, for the ongoing marketing of Apple Arcade. So uh, I don't know, should we expect, I don't know, maybe this sounds ridiculous right now, should we expect something like a Nintendo Direct, but from Apple, like every X months, Sort of a. Re- I think that that video that they posted to YouTube could be a template right? for that. They used the right? name, right? Like, yeah. so, so, like, the, it was introduced as I'm Mark Boson from the Apple Arcade team. And right? they haven't done stuff yeah. like this before. And there was like a, it felt like it had a theme that could be used later. Like, mm-hmm. we got 100 games coming, I have 100 seconds, let me see how many I can do, right? Like, they could, in theory, do this. And it's not like with a Nintendo Direct where they need to be like, here's the games we've got coming over this period of time because we have, they have a different business model where like Apple need to be putting these games into the system off, as often as they can, right? So it may be that every now and then they do a recap of like, here's a bunch of stuff that you might have missed and some stuff we've got coming. Um, but there definitely seems like that there could be a potential for that. So I'll ask you both, are you going to subscribe to Apple Arcade? Uh, you know, I'm going to. Uh, <laughs> but do you want uh, to? Like, you're going to because like, it's part no, of it. Do, want... do, you, do you want to do it? Yes. Yes, okay. I want to. Even right. though I have a huge backlog of games on my Nintendo Switch. And realistically speaking, I'm going to be playing the new Zelda on the Switch for the mm-hmm. next month. Mm-hmm. I want to subscribe to Arcade. I do think there's a there's game that, that speak to me. Stuff like Overland, stuff like um, Skate City, and, you know, coming later, Work Arts Fall. There's those types of indie games, and of course Oceanorn too. There's those types of games. They, they are what I want to play on iOS. And I think I especially like the idea, this is something that, that hasn't been reported a lot. I especially like the idea that because it's a service, you can start playing on your iPhone and you can continue on the TV and you can continue on the Mac and the iPad. Like It's going to be a seamless type of switching experience, which, yeah, some games have done before, but it was always like a custom thing, a custom implementation. This is by default. It works this way. You can pick it up on the phone and you can continue on the TV. And that, to me, is especially interesting. So I want to, yeah. There's some games that I don't care, like Frogger, but I want to subscribe. Shahid? Well, I love video games on, um, on my iPhone. I really do. And I'm a game developer as well. And I'm a father. So absolutely, yes. Not only am I going to subscribe instantly so that my family has access to these games, but I would love nothing more because I believe in the, the, the pillars of apple arcade so strongly i would like nothing more than to create a game that gets released in apple arcade <laughs>